1: Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the wow, that was loud edition. This week, we're explaining what prompted Democratic lawmakers to start a protest chant on the House floor, what's in the major rewrite of a controversial higher education bill, how late night text messages ended the career of Ohio's lottery commissioner, and when Republicans might vote on a bill to ban transgender girls from female sports teams. Joining me in studio this afternoon is Jesse Balmer, who's back from Europe. Thanks for having me in the great state of Ohio. <laughs> We are very glad to have you back this week. I appreciate it. Okay, so our first topic is about one of the wildest days I've seen at the State House in years. We had hundreds of protesters in the rotunda, Democratic lawmakers chanting on the floor. It was quite something. Yeah, this is a piece
2: of uh, a resolution that has been debated for, I mean, really months
1: now. Yeah. I mean, it started back in like December of last year, right?
2: Correct. Correct. And so now it's official. Ohio will have an election in August, August 8th, to decide whether we should make it increase the threshold needed to amend the state constitution. Currently, it's 50 percent plus one vote. And if this passed, it would be 60 percent.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Republicans are the ones who voted for this. Um, They say that it would protect Ohio's founding document and keep it from being overridden with policy. But Democrats and, you know, the hundreds of protesters who showed up said spending millions of dollars to hold a special election in August rather than waiting for the November general election proves that this is about abortion. Yeah, I mean, I
2: think we've said the quiet part out loud for a a bit, that this is at least partially, mostly about a ballot measure.
1: At least the timing of the election.
2: Correct, yeah. So um, advocates of abortion access are working on an amendment, collecting signatures currently. Deadline to submit those is July 5th uh, to try to make the November ballot and put that on uh, before voters, and if this measure passed in August, they would have a higher threshold—the sixty percent versus the fifty percent that they have to hit. And I think you know there's been various polling. Most recently, the Baldwin Wallace poll back in October that indicated that there was about you know fifty-five to percent support for a measure like this or abortion access like this.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's actually still some question about whether this will actually go in August, because there was a lot of wrangling to get to this, this to the floor, especially in the House. It was a lot of will they, won't they. If you listen to the podcast regularly, you know, they've been vote counting this for weeks. And so they originally had a separate bill to create a special election in August because we actually got rid of August elections about six months ago. And so to create this special election, uh, which is within their purview, in case anybody's wondering, the legislature sets the time and place for elections. But usually they create a separate bill and that gets passed, but they couldn't get it out of the House. So it passed the Senate, couldn't get it out of the House. So they just went with the resolution. And what they're saying is that the resolution basically will fiat the election into existence because the resolution has a specific date. Now, Secretary of State Frank LaRose has already sent messages to boards of elections telling them to get rid ready- for August, but it sounds like they're going to take this to the Ohio Supreme Court and say, hey, you can't just use this resolution to create an election.
2: Yeah, the way that this was done was super messy, I guess is the best term. (laughs) And so, I mean, even um, in the final days this week, um, they had to take portions of this out for a Rules Committee vote to even get it to the House floor and then put it back in on the House floor. So, you know, this is not like Robert's Rules of Order's best uh, practices, I suppose, here, but they ultimately got it through. And I think we are going to have a question about whether what they did was the proper way of doing it. I think the Senate passed the bill thinking that they needed to do that or at the very least needed to fund this election, which it currently is not. not being funded. Senate President Matt Huffman says that Frank uh, Leroux the Secretary of State has the money in his budget and then they can pay him back later. So, I mean, as we're kind of explaining this, this is complex and messy, but we ended up where we are.
1: Yeah, and we'll have to wait and see. I assume if they do a mandamus, which just means, you know, pass all the lower courts, go straight to the Supreme Court, we we will get a decision probably pretty quickly, just because with that election looming, with boards of elections needing to get ready, I think the court, you know, I think that's a fair guess. I have no idea what the court would say, but my assumption is they would answer that question pretty quick.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any...
1: Our second topic is about text messages, specifically late night texts sent by Ohio's former lottery commissioner, Pat McDonald. McDonald abruptly retired from his job in April, citing medical reasons. But an independent investigation that wrapped up late last week revealed he'd been in trouble with the Demine administration over inappropriate messages and caresses. Yeah, there was
2: a lot that came out about this at the end of last week and just you know, dragging into this week about how he was sending these messages, like you said, 2 a.m. in the morning saying like, I have a major crush on you to employees, obviously really inappropriate stuff mm, for yeah. a supervisor to be sending to employees at any hour of the day. But maybe like maybe our best choice is not made after midnight. And so, um, yeah, really from the second that he resigned, there was some questions about whether this was actually why he was resigning for medical reasons, kind of rumors that were spreading and now I think we're getting more to the bottom of what what was happening over at the Ohio Lottery Commission.
1: Yeah, you covered it when he resigned. And I think uh, when I was reading back on your story, it had said uh, HR irregularities and that there'd be an investigation. And so basically what we got late Friday afternoon and then got more information at the start of this week was what that HR irregularities were. It was a subordinate of McDonald's who went and complained on more than one occasion about inappropriate touching and these, you know, I have a major crush on you messages. He also sent romantic songs to this employee, like, uh, I guess one of them was Fleetwood Max Everywhere, where Stevie Nicks sings a lyric that says, I want to be with you everywhere. So, you know, not appropriate things to send your subordinates, especially not in the middle of the night.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think we went through this even a few years ago, particularly after the Me Too movement about what is appropriate and what's inappropriate. Certainly when you're in a situation where you have like control over someone's career and their future, that's so much more problematic. And so it's good that this has come to light and is being addressed finally.
1: Our third topic is transgender student athletes. House Republicans took another step this week towards banning transgender girls from playing on female sports teams in both K through 12 and college here in Ohio. Supporters call it the Save Women's Sports Act. And what it would do is ban Ohio schools from knowingly, and that's important, like knowingly permitting any student born as male from participating on an athletic team that is designated only for female participants. It would also create a framework for civil lawsuits. So student athletes who think that they were denied opportunities or otherwise harmed could sue the school district, could sue OHSAA, which is the governing body for high school sports here in the state. But it's that knowingly part that would come into play there, right? Like, did the school know that the child was transgender when they allowed them on the team.
2: Yeah. And this is kind of the newest iteration of a proposal that we've seen previously, last year. A couple of times, yeah. etc. You know, at one point was added uh, name, image, and likeness. That was an interesting day at the Ohio legislature. And I think opponents keep saying this is kind of a solution and one of a problem, the NCAA, and then also like the Ohio Sports High school sports association has some rules and policies for transgender athletes. Yeah.
1: The Olympics do too. There's like rules for hormone therapy and what your like testosterone has to test at. And like, you know, everybody's a little bit different depending on like as you get into more elite competition. But yeah, that's one of the arguments that proponents are making is that what there's a handful of transgender girls who play on sports teams, like less than 10 in the state of Ohio. And all of them are required to meet certain hormone testing before they're qualified to play.
2: Yeah. And I know previous versions of this bill were criticized for the, the way that they would check transgender students. Has that been cleared up in this version?
1: So this makes no mention of how you would verify the sort of genital status of a child for good reason. But it does create that legal framework for civil lawsuits. And that's one of the questions raised by opponents, which is if, you know, I have two daughters, if say they were playing on a team and somebody thought that they were a transgender girl, and they questioned it, and they filed a civil lawsuit, you know, what would the burden be on the school? Like, would they pressure me to undergo some sort of invasive examination for my child? Like, I don't know how that works once there's a lawsuit involved, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting how this plays out. Uh, Hasn't had a floor vote yet in this particular version, but it is House Bill 6. So that gives you an indication of the importance that the the House is putting on this piece of legislation.
1: Our fourth and final topic is higher education. A controversial plan to change how faculty and students experience life at Ohio's colleges and universities got a major rewrite this week. Bill sponsor Jerry Serino said his, quote, accommodations and clarifications have put the bill in a really good place. But public employee unions say the rewrite came nowhere close to getting their support.
2: Yeah, and you've done some great reporting on this, but I feel like some of the changes were, you know, there's now nothing preventing you from having conversations or debates about controversial issues as long as you're committed to intellectual diversity. But I think that even is a squishy term.
1: Yeah. And, you know, so it would allow for some mandatory diversity, equity, and inclusion training, like the original version banned that. It's a very narrow set of circumstances, like if it's necessary for a grant or for some federal regulation. It originally banned partnerships with Chinese universities, but it will allow them to continue with extra scrutiny, including, like, looping in the state's attorney general. You know, but it still will not permit professors to strike during labor negotiations. It changes how tenure works. It changes like what they can bargain over. And, you know, for those with a long memory in Ohio, labor unions say they overwhelmingly defeated Governor Kasich's attempt to modify public employee union like negotiations. Yeah, I imagine
2: that will continue to be a sticking point. It's going to prevent yeah. Democrats from getting on board with this particular proposal. But in the Senate, there's only seven of them. So, yeah, it seems like oh, they this... can't block
1: it. But I, yeah, I don't know what happens after it passes.
2: Yeah. As we found out this week, that the House is
1: an interesting place to be. And one more thing before you go. Ohio has a new-ish slogan. Governor Mike DeWine announced this week that the state would return to what they call an old favorite for its statewide slogan, Ohio, the heart of it all. The longtime slogan debuted in the 1980s and then was retired for, quote, find it here. But now we're back to heart of it all.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess as an Ohio that was born in the 1980s, I have a lot of nostalgia for the heart of it all. So <laughs> why not? We're shaped like a heart. We're in the heartland. You might as well go with it.
1: Yeah, actually, my favorite thing has been the reaction on Twitter, because like a lot of people took pot shots at it. Actually, to circle back to our earlier discussion, the Abortion Fund of Ohio tweeted out that the irony of Ohio returning to a 1984 slogan isn't lost on us. Yeah, anytime
2: yeah. you leave it in a slogan, <laughs> it just opens it up.
1: Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we've covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Minerva News Leader. That's the-review.com backslash Minerva.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh